we can save for the wrong reasons. We can save to find our peace, our joy, our security, our satisfaction, our hope. You know, we can set all those things uh, on money. And in, when we do that, uh, wealth simply becomes an idol, not a gift to be used for God's glory, but something to be worshiped in place of him. We don't want to be the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. You know, the problem with the rich fool is it's, it's not that people save, it's that they focus mainly on themselves and they put their faith and their hope and find their security and their riches rather than God's. How should Christians think about retirement? How do we plan for the future without falling in love with money? And how can we view our retirement as a stewardship and not as some sort of permanent vacation like the American dream would have us believe? Today, I get to talk with Chris Cagle, who runs a ministry called Retirement Stewardship, and he does just that. He teaches Christians how to steward their money so that they can plan well for retirement, but more importantly, how they can think about retirement as Christians. And throughout this episode, we talk about some of the principles that you can apply to ward off maybe some of that fear you have of retirement and how to think about this important subject in a way that is both wise and God-honoring. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Shout out to Covenant Eyes for sponsoring this season of the podcast. Covenant Eyes has helped more than 1.5 million people find freedom from porn. Check out the link in the description to sign up and use the code ROSE at checkout to get 30 days free. Also want to give a big shout out to the supporters of this show. I would not be able to keep creating Bible-based productivity content without the help of people like you. So thank you. And if you're getting value out of this show, my newsletter, videos, or other productivity resources, consider becoming a supporter of Redeeming Productivity. You can do so through giving a one-time or recurring donation at redeemingproductivity.com donation or by joining the Redeeming Productivity Patreon at patreon.com redeemingprod. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by Chris Cagle. He's the creator of retirementstewardship.com, where he creates resources for people looking towards or already in retirement. And I think Chris and I are, as you can tell by the name of his ministry, probably already kindred spirits. And so, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you, Reagan. It's really great to be here. So I found out about you, I think, through Tim Challey's a la carte. I think we were uh, we were maybe neighbors or something in one of the <laughs> a la carte things. And uh, I was I, I read one of your articles, and then I just kept going through them. I said, "Wow, this guy gets it. We're 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 on the same wavelength." And so I guess a good place to start is with how you got started. How did you get started with retirement stewardship and what are kind of your goals with that ministry? Sure. Uh, yeah, I love that question. You know, um, I guess the first thing to say is that I'm not a financial professional and never was. Um, I really got started through, um, I guess the first foray would have been uh, just attending a stewardship class in my church. I later became a financial counselor and uh, eventually started leading our stewardship ministry uh, as a deacon and um, just, you know, working with families, mainly in the context of, of my local church, individuals and families, young and old, 
Um, and as I did that, I kind of realized, you know, people just didn't seem to be really thinking about retirement very much at all. Um, they didn't have a plan or if they did, they, you know, if they, even if they had some thoughts about what they wanted to do, they weren't really sure how they were going to finance it. And the other, the other thing I noticed is just this kind of tendency of some to kind of embrace more of what I might call the worldly ideals of retirement, kind of a, you know, a, uh, not particularly biblical in, in a lot of ways. And that concerned me. And honestly, I sense some of that in my own heart, um, just, you know, to be candid, I, that kind of pull of, you know, achieving financial independence so I can kind of do whatever I want type of type of idea, which uh, is not entirely uh, biblical. So I started the blog initially uh, just to write about these things uh, kind of holistically, both the, the soft areas of physical, emotional, spiritual, and so on, as well as the uh, harder, quote unquote, harder uh, financial areas. I just encourage people to really uh, kind of catch a biblically informed kind of God-inspired vision for what later life might look like and, and how to, um, you know, how to fund it uh, if, the, if you have that goal of retirement and, and to make things fun and, and reasonably accessible and simple and relevant because finance, particularly retirement, is, it's, it can be complex stuff. So I just try to kind of boil it down to some of the essentials and make it approachable for people. I love the approach and that holistic way of looking at it where you're talking about finances, but it's not just finances. You're talking about what it means to be a Christian. Right. Right. And, exactly. you know, you kind of alluded to it, but I do think retirement gets sort of a bad rap in some Christian circles. Like you think of maybe, you know, one of John Piper's books, I remember talking about like collecting seashells on the shore <laughs> yeah. and that kind of idea where I'll talk to people, especially people who are, who are younger and they say, well, I'm never going to retire. It's like, well, but at some point you can't work anymore. And so I guess my question for you is how do you define retirement for a Christian? Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the question I really had to answer at, at the very beginning. Um, and you're right, it does, it does get a bad rap. And to the extent that, you know, we're really, uh, like I mentioned, talking about more of the kind of a worldly view of retirement, it, it probably some of that bad rap is deserved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this ideal, this ideal uh, notion that you of a dream retirement that you work hard enough, long enough and invest, save and invest well enough, then you can take a long permanent vacation for your rest of your life. That's, that's, um, that's the the type of retirement that probably should get a to, to get a bad rap. Although to be fair, that view is starting to change because a lot of people are even non-Christians are figuring out that just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, there's just something wrong with that. It doesn't feel right once they get into it. Um, so it's starting to change just a little bit. But you're right; some Christians just reject the idea of retirement altogether. Maybe because um, you know it's it's kind of a modern. Uh, cultural phenomenons in in, in uh, prosperous societies is not really explicitly taught in the Bible or mentioned a lot. Um, but others, and I, I would put myself in this camp, I see it as something that the Bible doesn't necessarily uh, forbid. Um, but uh, if we're going to retire, it you know we probably don't want to do it in a way that embraces the more popular viewpoints of the culture and really look to the scripture. You know, our, our current idea of retirement was unimaginable in biblical times and really wasn't even common 100 years ago in, in the United States. Um, most people just worked till they dropped or their families took care of them or 
whatever. And as I said, the Bible doesn't talk much about it. The, there's some mention of um, the Levitical priest retiring <laughs> in the Mosaic <laughs> law, but they did that to make room for the priestly interns. And, you know, I think they, I think the Bible, the, the scriptures say it was at, at age 50. I have no idea why 50, because people were living to be like 100 or 150 back then. So in, in the Bible, the, you know, retire really means either go to bed or go to heaven. It doesn't really, you know, mean uh, right off and, you know, sail off into the sunset or, as you said, be on the beach, you know, picking up seashells or something. Um, so, but the Bible does have a lot to say about how we are to live our lives, both before and during uh, retirement. So my definition of retirement is a transition that, that people make from working for a living where our main fo focus is obviously on a full-time job in a career or whatever, or owning a business, whatever it might be to a time when, um, you don't have to work anymore, uh, to, to ensure that your needs are met in that way. And you have more time to use the gifts that God has generously given you your time, talents, treasure, and testimony. And you can do that for your joy because there is that God, I think wants to bless us with, uh, it, because he loves us, uh, but also the good of others and God's uh, honor and glory for as long as, as we live. And um, this means we got to kind of rethink, reorient, uh, and make uh, difficult decisions about how we're going to use those resources in alignment with God's purposes and priorities for um, our later life. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I I think in this paradigm I call domains of stewardship, just kind of viewing the major areas of your life. And I think one of the main domains or areas that we've been called to steward is our vocation. Mm -hmm. And that's not always your job. Like I even think about people who are, um, my wife's a full-time homemaker. At some point, our kids are going to leave the house and that, that part of her vocation of being a, a mother, at least the the, the full-time time demands is going to change and there'll be a right. transition. Right. And I think it's probably very similar to retiring from a career where it, that's a tough time. Those transitions in life, I guess is what I'm getting at, are, are hard to make and need to be made consciously through the lens of, okay, here's a new season. How do I steward it? Right. And it does seem to me that if you don't have a view of stewardship about your current vocation, if you're not thinking about your work right now as a stewardship, you're not going to think about your retirement as a stewardship either. So it seems like even aside from the financial component, that the way that we view our work, um, that that mindset need, shift needs to happen now to maybe, maybe ease that transition. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you when you think about it, uh, Reagan, the, the Bible really has more much more to say about work and rest than it does our modern day concept of retirement. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, work is meaningful because God created work. Uh, we were created in God's image. Uh, there's various kinds of work. There's different types of work. So there's productive work. There's creative work. There's, uh, I, I might call it service work. You know, I use those terms a lot. Um, and so the type of work that I do today as uh, a member of my community, as still, you know, as part of a family, obviously, in a community, in a church, um, it looks different than what I did vocationally. Um, I was an IT guy. I, my only IT work now is keeping my blog running and keeping my computers <laughs> from getting viruses. You know, that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, so but I still think about work, you know, and and for me, and I think this is 
kind of true for most you know older Christians if they kind of go down this path. Um, finding meaningful work to do in retirement mm -hmm. is extremely important, and to really approach it, as you said, uh, with a heart and a mind of of stewardship. Hmm. And so, why do you think it's important for Christians to plan for their retirement and not just sort of leave it up to to chance or kind of hope that it's going to to work out? Yeah, you know that's a that's a that's a tough question. Um, like you said, some people plan to never retire, and one of the reasons is they just don't feel comfortable um, saving, you know, putting a bunch of money aside and not putting it to productive use in the present. Uh, they may even feel that it's disobedient. Sometimes, you know, quoting verses like, you know, don't lay up treasures on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, they, they may feel guilty about putting money away when there's so much need all around them. Um, boy, I think we all feel those tensions, and, mm -hmm. and it's, a, it's a good tension in a way. Our heart should be moved by, by those things. Um, but, you know, then there's still others who think, hey, you know, I really don't need it because God's going to take care of me. God has promised right. in his word. You know, he, he loves me. He's, he's compassionate. He's merciful. He's kind. He's generous. He's going to take care of me. I really don't need to, to worry about this. And, and uh, you know, they end up spending everything they make. Uh, the problem is that's not uh, particularly what the Bible teaches either. Um, uh, you know, the major issue, and you alluded to this earlier, is we don't know what the future will hold. We don't know how many days we've been given, how long we'll be able to use the good gifts that we've received from the Lord to earn a living. Um, and, you know, James, uh, in James in chapter four, he talks a lot about, you know, this is just life's a vapor and it's very unpredictable and we do not know what uh, tomorrow will will bring. It's in the Lord's hands. So even if we work for most of our lives, um, even if we would like to work for most of our lives, um, sooner or later, age is going to take its toll. Um, I'm a reasonably healthy 70-year-old, but I can't do what I could do in my 40s. I don't have the physical or the mental acuity that I had. Uh, it just, it's it's life in a fallen world, age eventually. Um so I think it's I think the Bible teaches that it's both wise to save for the future, while also keeping our hearts grounded in, uh, you know, our hearts toward God and our hearts grounded in Scripture, and while also storing up treasures in heaven, which uh, really speaks to generous giving of our time and money at the same time that we're saving in uh, wisely investing wisely and uh, pursuing our vo vocation wisely. I think the two. The, the kind of two balancing principles here are God's providence and our responsibility. Yeah. So, you know, in some scriptures, instead of the birds and the bees, the Bible talks about the ants and the birds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, the ant that saves up and, you know, for the, for the future and the, and the birds that are cared for by uh, a loving father in heaven. I love that. I was, uh, both of those passages were going through my head when you were speaking is, you know, in the, proverbs go to the ant you sluggard and right. the ant is the ant is saving is planning for the future and at the same time you have jesus talking about well look at the the sparrows doesn't god feed them and mm -hmm. it it's hard to look at both those at the same time and say well wait a minute like which is it um but i think that's that's probably where the wisdom comes in and as you noted where your heart is in the matter and that's ultimately what what it what matters especially when we think in financial terms um as providence would have it on sunday i, I teach a uh a sunday school group 
And we've been going through the book of First Timothy, and we looked at First Timothy chapter six last week, and that's where that passage, um, you know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm-hmm. And so we got to go deep on that and thinking about the the repercussions of what exactly does it mean to love money, or, or those who who seek uh, to be rich fall into a snare, versus you know the scriptures talking about money as a blessing. Um, even Solomon, you know, the, the, he was blessed in those ways. And it does seem the big difference maker is how are you, how are you thinking about this? What's, where's your mind at? Where's your heart at? And how are you utilizing these things as blessings to truly serve God and to truly, um, glorify him in all that you're doing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one of the ways that I, you know, when I'm talking about this with others, I, to try to put it very simply, I, I say, look, you know, one of the ways that God provides is through the wisdom and the instruction and the guidance that he's given us in his word. So yes, God does provide, and that can mean miraculous provision. It can mean manna from heaven. It can mean uh, an unexpected blessing, uh, a check in the mail, an inheritance. It can mean a lot of things, a gift, but it also means uh, reading and understanding the wise teaching that we have in scripture throughout scripture uh, and you touched on, you know, several of those areas. Um, and that's, that's God, God's wise provision for us as well. So we take all of that together and apply it to different stages of life yeah. and including the one quote, you know, called retirement. Those, no, I just did air quotes for those. Air quotes. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can use the term, you know, people ask me, so you're retired, huh? And I say, well, yeah, I'm kind of, I am, but you know what? I'm really busy. Um, so yeah. that's why I air quoted a little bit. Yeah, it's it's hard. The definition of retirement <laughs> brings a yeah. lot of different things to mind. Yeah. yeah, I loved what you said. You know, you earlier were talking about the the relationship of God's sovereignty and our responsibility, and and that often the way that the Lord does give us this day our daily bread is through the work that we do. And it's not that by me working and making money or saving money that I'm doing that apart from God. Even in Psalm 90, you know, it says, you know, teach us to number our days that we gain uh, a heart of wisdom. He ends it with, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Uh, the, it's, it's my work, but I recognize that whether or not it's profitable, uh, whether or not it's productive, is ultimately in the hands of God. And there's, there's real wisdom in that and not having a dichotomy in your mind between here's what I do and here's what God does. So I can do nothing for retirement. I can exercise no wisdom. I can not work hard right now while I have, you know, youth and vigor on my side. And I'll just kind of trust that the Lord will make up the difference in the end. Uh, That doesn't seem to be the right way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. The word that springs to mind there is presumption. Yeah. And as we know, presumption on on the Lord's kindness is not faith, Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not grounded in faith. So. Yeah, that's the, that's what we want to avoid um, is is presuming on the future, presuming on faith, and unfortunately, a lot of bad financial decisions are made as a result of of presuming on the on the future. Not the least yeah. of which, like real speculative investments and things like that, that are can yeah. be dangerous to not wise stewardship and dangerous to our financial health. Mm-hmm. So you you have several books, and your your latest <laughs> one is called Redeeming Retirement. 
Yeah, you like that one. You like that one, don't I you? Do. <laughs> I like that a lot. For something about that really yeah. resonates with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, Boy, your Christians can put redeeming in any book title, you know? It's just what... <laughs> and then it's done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I love the subtitle of that one, A Practical Guide to Catch Up. Because I feel like that ca- captures so much how so many people feel. It captures how I feel, just to be mm-hmm. honest with you. When mm-hmm. I think about retirement, I feel behind. I feel like... It's a, there's so much fear associated with it because I feel like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't start doing the, the Roth IRA when I was 18 and put, you know, all my money into it. And done, so I'd be a millionaire when I was retirement age. I didn't well, do it's 12 this, now. Do they, they want you to do it at 12. So, OK, no, yeah. I'm so just, now I'm, I'm in I'm big kidding. trouble. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but what are the, some of the big picture things like on the practical side? What are some of the big picture things you encourage believers to do? as they're looking toward being financially secure in their golden years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the first thing I want to comment is that, you know, you mentioned feeling behind and, you know, the problem is we're, we're bombarded with so much bad news about how the readiness, you know, people, the retirement nation, how ready they are for retirement or not. And like a lot of areas of, um, you know, of life where we're just constantly bombarded with kind of negative information, we can, we can feel, differently than the way things really are. So the first thing I would do is caution people against buying too much into this idea, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to fall off a retirement cliff. There's no safety net. I've got no chance. You know, the market's going to take away all my money. The economy's going to tank. Social Security's going to die. And I'm going to be living in a van down by the river. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we we get to. And you know, I think we just have to be careful there that uh, just to be prudent and wise about assessing our financial condition. That's one of the things I do in the book is try to make that fairly simple to kind of take a, a, from a very objective standpoint, take a checkpoint. Um, but, the, you know, the idea is to get to a place, uh, and I learned this phrase from Dave Ramsey, you know, he uses the phrase retire with dignity. And I wrote an article about this on my blog, you know, there's different ways to think about this, there's financial dignity. And then there's a dignity that scripture kind of uh, describes uh, the dignity of old age, wisdom, faithfulness, Mm -hmm. perseverance, and kind of, again, another kind of positioning of two different things. But I think in general, um, even though we know that our ultimate uh, provision and security comes from God, as we've been talking about, there's things that you can do starting, you know, whenever, you know, whenever you start working to prevent you from getting into a lot of trouble. One is to um, just have a spending plan, you know, a budget, if you, if you want to use that word, but with a goal of spending less than you earn, you can't save and you can't give what you don't have. So it's about creating some, some flexibility, some margin in your spending. And, and I think part of that is, is having a saving and a giving plan. Of course, Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't tell people how much to save. I don't tell them how much to give. Uh, that Those are really hard issues. But just a simple guideline that I used, and I share this willing with people, is I always gave more than I saved, but I did hmm. both. Hmm. I always tried to keep my giving at a level as a percentage of my gross income higher than what I was saving, both for long-term savings and short-term emergency-type savings. And to me, that helped me kind of regulate my heart if you will, uh, with that. So, you know, and then, um, you know, socking a little bit away all the time, you know, Proverbs 13, 11, waste, uh, wealth, ga- waste, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And this, this idea of slow and steady 
is uh, a really a key, I think, principle starting, you know, when you're younger and um, and kind of staying at it. If you have to take a breather for some reason, emergency, you know, unexpected expense, not the end of the world, pick it back up when you can. But uh, saving and investing, watching your spending, uh, and then kind of taking checkpoints along the way. And there's different ways to do that. If you, if someone, you know, wanted to get an idea of how to do it, you know, I say I devote a chapter. I, I titled the chapter "What Can, uh, What Condition Is Your Condition In?" It's an old. Uh, <laughs> 60s rock song that most people don't even know about but <laughs> might be helpful yeah you know it's it's as you're talking about that too i was thinking about how the fear thing can actually lead us to compound some of our troubles like being being afraid that you need to play catch up can lead you to make those hasty investments that are highly speculative and i mean i know of people that have been totally wiped out because they, they said, I need to do this so I can catch up. And right. then it right. goes south and there goes whatever nest egg they had. And now they're even in worse condition than they were before. Um, so that slow and steady, that, that I didn't even think about that proverb. That is a biblical principle mm-hmm. that you just, just mm-hmm. little by little. Yeah, and it's interesting that it, it, it gets borne out in, uh, in financial principles, this, this whole idea of, of compounding, you know. We have a hard time, us mere mathematician mortals have a hard time understanding uh, compounding. We understand basic addition, two plus two equals four. We don't always get that two to the power of three is eight or three to the power of two is nine. Or if you fold a piece of paper 42 times, it will reach to the moon. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a great YouTube video about that, by the way, that I use with kids once in a while. Really fun. Um, and, uh, that's that that's the principle in you know fleshed out in a financial context in in real life you start uh, early you know saving a little early is a lot better than trying to save big later and uh, the the financials you know i could you know quote calculate quick calculations that would that would show you that but that's just a key way and so it, i so love how scripture you know those proverbs written a long time ago right take that take that and apply it to a known mathematical principle that helps us to uh to grow our money slowly and steadily over time yeah. if we're wise about investing it yeah was it, it was either warren buffett or charlie munger who called compounding interest the eighth wonder of the world i think yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's great it it works it works great i see um quite often uh, some, you know, an older couple will come to me and say, Hey, we're thinking about retiring, but we're a little behind. What do you think about uh, crypto? What do you think about, you know, this stock or that stock or this fund or that fund? And it seems always to be like you say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fearful. I'm, I'm a little in panic mode. I need to catch up. So I'm going to, I'm going to go big, you know, I'm going to go big or go home. Well, yeah, you're going to go home. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, it's just, it, the, it's the system, you know, that's why casinos still exist, right? The house always wins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the odds are against you. And uh, it's funny, the number of people, I, I wish I could, you know, tell you the number of people that I've tried to dissuade from that. And they say, no, you know, I've signed up for this stock guru's letter and he's going to tell me all these stocks to invest in. And wow, what if you had done that uh, right before 2008? Or what if you'd done that right before 2020? Or... Right. You know, those kinds of things. Really, you get into trouble, get into big trouble. Yeah. 
Now for a word from this season's sponsor. One of the most unproductive things you can do is allow sin to have a foothold in your life. And in our digital age, it's easier than ever to give in to that temptation. Covenant Eyes offers two apps that give you one simple path to victory. First, the Covenant Eyes sensor app operates in the background of your devices, monitoring them for concerning activity and blocking explicit content. Second, the Victory app provides your ally with the most up-to-date information about your online activity. If explicit activity is detected, an alert will pop up encouraging them to contact you. The Victory app is also full of resources and courses to help you grow in your battle against lust. And Covenant Eyes gives you the tools you need to make the right decision when you're tempted online. Covenant Eyes has helped more than 1.5 million people find freedom from porn, and maybe it can help you too. Just go to CovenantEyes.com and use the code ROSE, that's R-O-S-E, at checkout to try it free for 30 days. We haven't touched on it too much, and I don't want to get way too into the weeds. I know you have a lot of this on your website, but just broadly speaking, in terms of investment vehicles, like are you are you tell, are you, are you advising people? Or this is not financial advice. This is educational. I don't know the disclaimers. You have to give. <laughs> yes. yes, thank you very much. I am not a financial professional, and I did not sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last That's night. That's right. <laughs> but like in terms of vehicles, like is it is it four hundred one k that you tend to to say is a good idea? Um, Roth IRAs? Are you doing index funds? Like what are the what are the big players in just a kind of a portfolio for a normal person who's just working and, and trying to be wise and, and utilize the uh, investment vehicles out there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're employed, um, work for a company, small business or a larger company or corporation, if they offer uh, an employee sponsored employer sponsored retirement plan, like a 401k for for profit, 403b for nonprofit, take advantage of those, especially, and this is key, if uh, some percentage of your contribution is matched by your employer. Um, you know, financial rule number one, don't refuse free money if it comes <laughs> honestly and in integrity, right? Don't don't turn that down. Uh, so yeah, 401k, 403b, get in there. Uh, get in at least, especially if, you've, if you're on a really tight bu- budget and you're a little bit younger, get in and at least get the employer match. So if they match, you know, X percent of 5%, do the 5%. Uh, if you want to save a little more, then you could go out to a Roth IRA or something like that. I think I know Dave Ramsey kind of teaches that, and and I I'm in alignment with that. Um, go go fund a Roth IRA. So you got your 401k with your employer match. You've got your Roth IRA. A lot of people don't know even like you mentioned. Uh, I don't know if this is part of the podcast or if we were talking before uh, that your wife's a homemaker. Mine was too for uh, well our entire life. Um, but because I was working, we could both fund an IRA. Yeah, the spousal um, IRA. I just yeah, found out yeah, about you that can have last a year. IRA. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So great benefit. So you can do that. So yeah, that's what I encourage people to do. If if you're really trying to play catch up, uh, which and this is the kind of thing I, I get to in the Redeeming Retirement book, you can. Um, there's catch up provisions that the IRS has that allows you to save a little more in both 401ks and IRAs. And if you just need to bump up your saving percentage, which some people really do need to do when they get into middle age or later, if they really determine that they're, they're act, they actually really are falling behind, then you can kind of go back to your 401k and start putting in uh, non-matching contributions there. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the investments, um, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not religiously passive. I'm not a religiously passive investor. 
I've owned both passive funds, index type funds, as well as actively managed funds. Um, but what I do uh, tell people or suggest to people is try to keep your fees low. Hmm. Avoid upfront fees for funds if you can and avoid uh, low management fees because fees ultimately, whether they're uh, whether they come right off your statement as a management fee, like from advisor, or whether they're taking as part of an operating expense by the fund itself, uh, they do take away from, from the fund's uh, earnings. So watch fees. I like certain types of funds like ETFs, uh, passive index ETFs, because they're very transparent. You know exact. you can find out exactly what they hold. They don't turn over the fund a lot. So yeah, those are, those are, I kind of lean in that direction. Um, obviously as, a 70 year old, I'm a little more conservative, a lot more conservative probably than I would recommend somebody that's 30 or 40 be. No, that makes sense. That's really helpful. Yeah. And what are some of the common mistakes you see that believers make when it comes to planning for retirement? I know we've probably touched on a few of them, but what are the things that come up um, when you're talking to folks? Uh, yeah, you know, the first thing is not having a plan for what you're going to do when you retire. It has nothing to do with the money. Um, you, and we've, and we really have, I think, touched on this sufficiently that God, you know, God created us to work. He created us in his image. He made work intrinsically, uh, soul satisfying in, in a lot of ways. Now I recognize that there's probably listeners that who are in a, rather than a soul satisfying job, they're in a life sucking it out of them job, <laughs> you know, or I don't think that grammar wasn't quite right, but you get my point. Um, yes. in that case, you know, that doesn't mean that work is not, and you can still work for the glory of God in a bad mm -hmm. situation with a, with an unfair boss or a difficult environment. Uh, obviously if it's something you feel led to, you know, that you can extricate yourself from, then do that. Try to get yourself into a better position, but that doesn't mean that work is bad just because you're in a bad, you know, work, work situation. So, but, but you really need a plan for what you're going to do in retirement because uh, as you mentioned earlier um it can be very unsettling and disorienting if you don't really have a sense of of what you're going to do i had a friend at work uh, at church tell me not long ago i asked he was asking about you're talking about retiring i said so what do you think you're going to retire he said you know what he said it terrifies me hmm. i'm terrified and i said why and it had nothing to do with finance he said i have no idea what I'm, what I'm going to do. And, and I, I kind of jokingly said, yeah, your wife wants you to answer that question too. You know, you're, she's wondering what the heck are you going to do, do all day. But so knowing what you're going to do in, in retirement is really, really important. But on the financial side, I think, I think procrastination, you know, we talked a little bit about saving and starting early and the benefit of compounding. Uh, procrastination is um, a, a really, you know, it's a common problem. I think we all have that struggle with it from time to time. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11.4, he who watches the wind will fail to sow and he who observes the clouds will fail to reap. So if we're too distracted by things that just don't really matter, or if we're, um, you know, preoccupied with, with other things, we can put off things that are really, uh, really, really important. So, um, and I think, you know, you asked about investments. The investments are important, but I, what I've noticed is people can get obsessed about their investments. Mm -hmm. You know, they're constantly looking for the perfect fund, the perfect thing to invest in, you know, just a, another fraction of a percent more. And you kind of miss the whole point. Saving is a much more powerful tool. 
in and and spending you know controlling your spending as i mentioned before spending below living below your means is a lot more powerful in uh helping you with retirement readiness than whether you invest invest in you know fidelity's index stock index fund versus vanguard stock index fund mm -hmm. it's in the in the long term it's just not going to matter as much may matter a little but it's not going to matter as much as just just saving and then a uh, couple other things, social security. I don't know. You may not have too many listeners who are getting ready to make the social security decision, social security. If you're eligible benefits, claimings decision, very, very, very important. And uh, one thing I want to emphasize there since I, since I have the chance is, uh, is particularly if you're the primary wage earner, when you make your social security decision, it's not just about you. It's about your spouse too. Because one of you is probably, this is the, the bad news, but we just got to tell it like it is, one of you is likely to predecease the other. Statistically, it's the husband. It may, doesn't mean that's going to happen. God is provident. God, God is sovereign. Uh, God's in control. He numbers our days, but we, we don't know. But um, when you make that claiming decision, think about your spouse and survivor benefits and things like that that come into play. The spouse will benefit when you retire, the, the survivor benefit. Uh, if you should predecease your spouse. And lastly, um, this whole problem of regret, just kind of wallowing in the past. Oh, I wish I'd done this. If only I'd invested in Amazon when it was $5. Well, you know what? You can't buy Amazon for $5 now. So why worry about it? You know, if you're inclined and you think you know what the next Amazon is and want to put a few bucks into it, do that instead. Quit worrying about that you didn't invest or what you didn't do or didn't start soon enough. If you need to play catch up, then then play catch up and don't let regret um, hold you back and hold you down. Well said. That's encouraging. So how does the kind of overarching context of stewardship fit into all of this? And maybe maybe more to the point, how do you think a believer, uh, their views concerning retirement should differ from that of a non-believer? Yeah. I, I think the, the fundamental thing there is that for the non-believer, the, the, the kind of guiding life principle is personal happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to do everything I can, whatever that looks like for that individual, uh, to, to ensure as best I can my happiness and self-satisfaction and fulfillment in retirement. So that affects what they do with their money. It affects maybe where they live. Uh, it, uh, it affects uh, what they do, how they spend their time, uh, what they make their priorities in life. Uh, whereas for the Christian, if stewardship is that core life principle instead, uh, it means that we're going to responsibly use all those gifts that God has given us uh, to live our lives in a way that bring him honor and glory. And um, But at the same time, recognize that God... Uh, wants us to enjoy those good gifts as well. Um, we, we talked about, I think we were talking a little bit before the podcast about John Piper's famous seashells message. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote an article about this. It, it's not that we can't pick up seashells. My wife has <laughs> like a bucket, a 10 gallon bucket full of seashells yeah. in the thing. But I'll tell you what she's not going to do. She's not going to show up in heaven and say, Lord, see my seashells, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, you can go to the beach, you can pick up shells, you can have a blast. 
you can go hiking, fishing, camping, whatever, you know, whatever your heart's desire, but not as the, the main thing. You know, we just yeah. don't make that the main thing. We make uh, stewardship the main thing because stewardship is, as you often say, Reagan, is, is derived from a simple biblical premise, which is God owns it all. Everything we are, everything that we have, everything that we could ever hope to be uh, belongs to him. He created it all. And uh, and so we are, I think, in, in really obligated to use it for uh, his glory, but also uh, our good. So money, possessions, talent, skills, everything. Um, and that helps us make those wise decisions about how we want to live our lives when we're 60, 70, 80, Lord willing, 90, 100, you know, we don't know. Yeah, well said. Um, we've we've touched on a lot of the sort of the fears and things that surround retirement. Um, and even this, some of these questions about the rightness of saving, some of these, I guess, objections that often they're vague in the in the Christian's mind about like, is it okay for me to save? Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I see come up a lot is when we're talking about investing in um, stocks or even you think index funds where you're not picking individual places to invest, is sometimes people have objections about the the morality of investing in a fund that may have, say, say some investments in like a casino or, or now there's a lot of cannabis, things like that. And I know people that struggle a lot with that. And so I've read a post on your blog where you're talking about, um, oh, I can't remember the name of them, uh, but they were, there were funds that were basically didn't have those types of things in them. And you were mm-hmm. talking about the pros and cons of that. I'm curious, how would you speak to somebody who add some of these moral concerns about where their money's being invested uh, and whether that's okay for them to do that or not, if it's something they might find objectionable. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that, that was an article I really labored over because this is a difficult subject as, as any, as is anything that really involves uh, uh, kind of at the end of the day, our, our, our conscience. Um, you know, I, first thing I would say is, nobody you shouldn't do anything with your money that violates your conscience mm-hmm. um and no matter what you know you find as the justification for that but if, if it violates your conscience then then don't do it you shouldn't invest in a way that violates any moral or ethical principle or biblical conviction that you have so um if there's a fund that you're concerned about that holds too much of this or that or the other stock and and that really bothers you don't invest in it try to find something else uh, but this becomes difficult so when it comes to these faith-based funds, which um, I want to say right from the start, I think are extremely well-intentioned. Uh, I know I know the heart of, uh, of a lot of these fund managers and what they're trying to do. They're trying to be faithful to bi- biblical standards of ethics and morality and human flourishing and things like that. Um, but I think where, where we get into trouble is if we say that's the only proper an appropriate and obedient and God honoring way to invest mm-hmm. uh, because that seems to kind of cross over the line and get into this whole area of kind of conscience binding or, yeah, a you know, bit of legalism, you know, a little bit of legalism yeah. there that can be, that, that can be a little challenging. Um, you know, I kind of generally hold to do what the Bible says and don't do what the Bible says. Don't do, you know, that's kind of <laughs> what I, you know, I mean, that's, if, if it's real explicit, um, yeah. the Bible is not, real explicit except that um 
you know, there are principles in scripture that kind of would steer us away from uh, intentionally doing anything to, that supports the exploitation of people, um, you know, uh, the, the promotion of evil or anything like that. But here's the thing, the, um, like an index funds, they can hold hundreds or even in some cases, thousands of funds. And without a doubt, there's going to be funds in their holdings that are uh, object would, would that on an individual basis we would find objectionable. Mm -hmm. You and I would probably you are neither you nor I would ever invest in that individual stock, a gambling company, a casino company, a cannabis stock. We probably would not go out and intentionally buy that stock. But if we invest in an index fund and we indirectly hold a maybe what amounts to depending on how much money we have in the fund, a fraction of a share of that objectionable company, is that more, uh, do we have a moral imperative biblically not to invest in that fund at all so as to avoid that minuscule um, investment? That's kind of seems to be where this all gets to. Um, where I landed is I am never going as a matter of conscience going to invest in directly in a significant intentional way in a company that I find objectionable. If on the other hand, I think a fund overall is wise in the way that it's, it's constructed and managed. It meets my goals and it fulfills, I think, um, the, it, it aligns with scripture that says, you know, some amount of risk taking in the marketplace for uh, some possibility of a return is allowable and even good in, in, uh, in that sense, um, that I can do that in good conscience and, and not feel like I have to go and, and invest in, um, these funds that are, you know, uh, filtered or screened or whatever. Uh, on the other hand, if somebody says, no, I can't do that. I, I just, I just don't think it's right. I think I need to go and find a good faith based, based fund. Then I would say, absolutely do it and do it with all your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I landed. And, you know, these funds themselves, um, and I talked about this in the article, it's, you're kind of outsourcing your conscience in a way because mm. you're trusting somebody else to make those decisions for you. What what's objectionable and what isn't, and um, and it it's just a slippery it's a slippery slope. So you know I might not want to invest in a company that um, manufactures alcohol, but what about a containers corporation that makes beer cans? That mm. might be a holding in my fund, and I don't even know it. Right. Um, or, you know, if I go to my local grocery store, they sell alcohol. They don't sell liquor in our state, but they sell alcohol. If I have a strong conviction against the sale of alcohol, I'm supporting that store by going into that store and buying groceries. Where do I go buy my groceries? So, you know, you can go on and on and on, and it gets yeah. to almost a ridiculous extreme. So, you know, I guess I'm, that's kind of where I land of, I would never in, intentionally invest in something that I think is wrong. But if I end up, end up, because you know what, if I own a small portion of that firm or that company in my big index fund and it goes bankrupt, I don't care. I really don't care. Um, I'm not even sure the fund manager cares that much because he's got a thousand other stocks that he's got little small positions in. But if I invested $10,000 in that stock, I would really care if they went bankrupt. And so I look at it a little bit differently. And I would also feel like I would be in, you know, investing, I would be using God's money in an intentional way to promote 
um, something that, that I consider to be evil. So there's a thin line there. I realize that, uh, you know, someone could say, but wait a minute, you're intentionally doing it anyway, if you know that that fund, that company is a holding in your, in your index fund. And that's true, but it's not intentional. And it's almost so small as to be incidental. So I think that's just the way that I, the way I kind of look at it. I think that's very wise. Yeah. And, and being, being respectful of your conscience and other people's consciences and things like this. But it is true. It's a slippery slope when you start thinking that way. Um, you know, I, I bank with, uh, with Chase and I, they recently came out with, um, like so many of these big companies with this thing, uh, with Roe v. Wade falling, they come out with this thing mm-hmm. that they're going to pay, pay people what $4,500 to go to another state and have an abortion there. I'm like, wait, so I'm keeping my money with these people. But then you start thinking, and, and maybe I need to leave them. I'm, it's, it's a quandary I'm, I'm in the middle of. Yep, but then you yep. start thinking about, well, can I not, can I not um, eat food from McDonald's? Can I not? And what about all these ones I don't know about? Can I not go, can I not go down to uh, Orlando and, and go to Disney World? Um, and I know people fall in different places, but I, I see those as very similar type things. It's kind of like, how far removed are you from the thing where, um, I guess it's a question of ethics uh, in this, in like the subject of ethics, you know, how far removed from it till you bear culpability. But it does seem that your, your answer I think is very wise that you just, you have to follow your conscience on these things, inform your conscience, certainly. But uh, what you don't want to do is do something that you're not comfortable with that you think might be wrong because right. you're going to get some sort of marginal gain from it. Right. Very wise. Yeah. I mean, as Paul said in first Corinthians, you know, to avoid all evil, we'd have to go out of the world completely. Right. Yeah. So in the life to come, we won't have this problem. But mm-hmm. today, no matter where we go, even the best company uh, in one of these um, biblical or faith-based funds has got sinners running it. They're right. not all. They're not all <laughs> run by, you know, devout believers. And even if they're devout believers, they're not sinless in every. Yeah. Way. Right. So even some of our pastors might be might be sinners. I've heard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to, I'm certainly I don't want to scandalize them, anybody. Know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the hard reality. That's the world we live in. And we've got to navigate it, you know, based on faith. And, and as you say, based on our our, our individual consciences. So now, obviously, you know, a big component of retirement planning and deals with money and you're thinking about finances, you're thinking about uh how do I save? How do I put money away? Um, I could see some believers being concerned that if they go too deep on this sort of area that they don't understand, open up the black box of finances. <laughs> the Pandora's start, box, right? Yeah, it's Pandora's yeah. box of, of, of finances <laughs> that they're going to go in deep and they're going to start to struggle with the love of money because then they're going to be um, trying to do everything they can to save as much as possible. Um, what would you say to those people who are concerned about getting too deep into this stuff because they're worried about the love yeah. of money? Well, you know, I, I I don't know if I'd use the word worry, but it is something we should definitely be concerned about. We should wisely uh, and continually examine our hearts in this regard. So, yeah, it's a concern. Uh, the Bible has much to say, as we know about this. Um, we can we can be we can t- you know what I've been talking a lot about is saving for what I think are, are good reasons, biblical reasons, wise reasons. Mm-hmm. We can save for the wrong reasons. We can save to find uh, our peace, our joy, our security, our satisfaction, our hope. You know, we can set all those things uh, uh, on money. And in, when we do that, uh, wealth simply becomes an idol 
not a not a gift to be used for God's glory, but something to be worshipped in place of Him. And we don't we don't want that. I love um, Tim Keller in Counterfeit uh, Gods. I wrote this down. He defines an idol as uh, anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Hmm. That you know, if we put if we put money in, in that context, um, it, that's that's exactly the the path that we can inadvertently go down, where we trust money more than we trust God, and it captures our minds. And I was talking earlier about just not being obsessed over investments. I see people, they just are constantly looking at their balances and trading and, you know, churning and tweaking. And, um, you know, I would, I would encourage people, if you find yourself in that position to kind of ask, am I becoming overly fixated or obsessed by this? Am I trying to do too much? Uh, have I put too much stock in this? And so, you know, that that's when it becomes an idol and, you know, fear can, uh, can lead us in that direction. Greed can lead us in that direction. Uh, desire for independence. You know, one of the things I've read a lot about the fire mute movement. I'm sure you know you're you're you may be more familiar with that than I am. And and I kind of understand it from one standpoint, but it concerns me in a lot of other ways. I, I you had a great podcast that kind of touched on this. Uh, uh, let about, me just for yeah. for listeners who don't know what that is. Fire yeah. is financial independence retire early. It's an acronym for people who are trying to uh, save up a bunch of money and retire basically while they're still young, 30s, 40s, sometimes even 20s. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And so it's, you know, the the challenge with that is if you if you if you work so hard and save so much that you can't enjoy your money while you're working, you can't give and you can only save because to do to, to do accomplish what some of these folks do, they've got to save 50, 60, 70 percent or more of their income. You, you're hoarding resources that can be used. If you're a Christian, you're hoarding resources that could be used uh, for the furtherance of God's God's kingdom. And then when you finally reach FI and, <laughs> and you are E, what are you going to do? How, yeah. What are you going to do with your your time and so so what what is it that you're you're really seeking after there what are you pursuing what are you what are you obsessing over one of the things about saving your retirement is you can wake up one day because of compounding and being faithful and wise and diligent to serve and all i mean to save you can wake up one morning at 50 60 years old and go wow i got a nice nest egg that's a nice mm-hmm. chunk of change you know um but we don't want to be um we don't want to become a miser and mm-hmm. and see that as something we need to hold tightly, wrap our arms around tightly, protect at all cost, uh, those kinds of things. We don't want to be the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. Um, you know, the problem with uh, with the rich fool is, is it's not that people save. It's that they they focus mainly on themselves and mm-hmm. they put their faith and their hope and find their security and their riches rather than God. So, you know, hoarders are, are consumed by the need to uh, preserve wealth rather than risk it for productive uses or give it or uh, use it for the good of others. Um, and uh, the Bible's pretty clear that bring that can bring uh, that can bring judgment. It can bring mm-hmm. a lot of problems into our lives. So, you know, there's there's that. Um, so, yeah, we need to set aside and invest for future needs. That's wise. But we want to do it without becoming uh, a miser. We want to do it without becoming the rich fool that we read about in, in scripture. 
and that 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 happens when we love something too much when we love it more than we than we love the lord amen well chris i really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and share your wisdom with us the website is retirementstewardship.com and i'll have a link to that in the um, show notes chris has several books over there as well that i recommend you check out is there anything else you'd like to add chris or any final word you would give to to listeners yeah um i think that the the main message that i want to convey through uh the blog and through my books and that i would want to reiterate here is that um we are uh we've been redeemed for a purpose Hmm. our lives were ransomed for a purpose we live for the glory of god and for the good of others and that principle that life principle that that biblical reality that theological principle is true whether you're 20 or whether you're 80. life is going to look very different from decade to decade but uh the, the call that we have, the clear call from Scripture to do all we do as unto the Lord is pervasive, should be pervasive throughout throughout our lives. It will look different for different people during different seasons, but um, that's the key message that I see in, in Scripture and what I would encourage us all to embrace uh, for as long as God gives us life on this earth. And remember, we have an eternal hope, too. It's not just here. Um, it's this glorious hope that we have. And I think especially during these difficult, challenging times, we would do wise to uh, look to, to the promises of, of Scripture in terms of our eschatological hope uh, for uh, a future that's free from so much pain, so much suffering, so much turmoil, so much heartache that we, that we see today. And, um, and wisely apply the principles we find in Scripture about saving, investing, spending, and giving. And um, you'll find yourself, when you're my age, able to pay the bills at the very least. Amen. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, you're welcome. Forward. My Hopefully pleasure. We can talk again soon. Yeah. Take care, brother. Yeah. Thanks.